Central African King of Comedy, Michael Blackson. You watching real friends real talk. Get real with it, my son. What's going on and welcome to another Quarantine TV edition of Real Fans Real Talk. Oh man, got a special guest uh, back with us today. I need some controversy this week, man. There's a lot going on in sports. <laughs> so I, I needed Mr. Controversy himself, Real Lil, in the huddle sports. So I had to have him come and join me and rock out. What's going on, my brother? I'm doing good, man. You said another quarantine edition, man. I'm outside. I don't know about you, bro. I'm outside. All right. Outside, open back up, and I'm out here. Well, only, I'm glad to be here on the show. Yeah, it's only quarantine because we're not in a TV station just yet. They they are actually starting to open up the TV show slowly but surely. So we'll probably be doing more more uh, one-on-one interviews in the studio as opposed to the regular setup that you guys are, are used to just because they're moving things really slow. You know, I know, I know we, we might be past COVID, but the TV station is not past uh, COVID just yet. So they're trying to slowly, you know, open things back up. But, you know, that don't stop no show, man. We got a whole lot of sports that we got to get to. Um, and we just going we just gonna jump right into it, man. It's a lot going on right now in the NFL, uh, the preseason. You know, we, we are in, in full effect right now. Um, some, some moves still need to be made. I just seen uh, Jimmy G and uh, the 49ers. They worked out something. So he'll be staying in, in San Fran for another year. Don't know what that necessarily means for Trey Lance, but I do know he better be on his heels because, you know, Jimmy G, ain't, he ain't playing. He, can't, he he need that starting spot back. So hope Trey Lance, you know, is on his job, um, you know, starting off this season because if not, you know, it's easy to just throw in that replacement. I got a comment to make about that. You know, there's a lot of quarterbacks that have a lot of pressure, right? When you think about names that come to mind, Deshaun Watson, of course, with all the allegations that came with him, Carson Wentz, guys being passed around like a hot potato. But there's nobody, in my honest opinion, that's under the most pressure than Trey Lance because of those reasons that you just talked about, you know, we had a quarterback that got us to the NFC Championship game one game away from a Super Bowl. If a guy made an interception instead of wearing gloves and a daggone dome, they'd probably be going to the Super Bowl. Now, you're under pressure because now he's not traded. He's not cut. He's on your bench. And there's going to be a lot of folks that's going to be like, yo, what the hell are we doing? Like, why did we trade up and draft up to draft? Trey Lance when we could have got guys like Kyle Pitts and Jamal Chase and things of that nature. So I don't think there's no other quarterback under the most pressure than Trey Lance. Facts, facts, uh, facts. Um, and you know, you know, I love, I love seeing uh, the brothers, you know, get that nod at quarterback since that's a position that they uh, they said that we couldn't play. So I do, I do love seeing that. So I'm, I'm really rooting for for Trey Lance, um, you know, to to do his thing this season. I think he will. I'm, you know, I, I feel like he's he. he during the, the times that I've seen him, he's he's been pretty good in spurts. You know, um, San Fran, you know, obviously we know about their defense. But offensively, you know, they got one of the top receivers in football in, in Debo Samuel. 
Uh, they probably got the second best tight end in football in George Kittle. You know that tight end is always the uh, security blanket for young quarterbacks. So I think he will do good. San Fran, I'm, you know, the running game, they 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 got always got about six running backs, you know, that they spread the ball around to. So I think I think he he should be good. I mean, can't do no worse than, than than Jimmy G. As long as he stays healthy, I think he'll be in good shape. Um, so we will see. The season is starting uh, very soon, so we'll keep you guys posted on that. A little bit of sad news. Uh, Washington Commanders running back uh, Brian Robinson Jr. He was shot in a in a, a robbery attempt. Um, so I definitely want to want to wish a speedy recovery and send prayers out to him, his family, and 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 his friends. Always some BS going on, man. Nah, absolutely, bro. You know, a lot of these players when they get to the league, you think they're exempted from a lot of the stuff that goes on in the in the communities, but that's never the case. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes it's best to just um, you know, take every day on a day-to-day basis and be grateful because this is a guy trying to compete for a roster spot. You know, he's supposed to be getting some playing time from what I heard. And um, it's unfortunate, but we hope for his speedy recovery so he can get back out there on the football field and continue to play the sport that he loves. Exactly, exactly. Um, you know, Washington trying to make make a little bit of moves, you know. They, they, <laughs> it's this offseason, so we definitely want the young brother to be out there on the field. And um, you know, for everybody else that's 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 in the mix of the riffraff, man, leave that stuff alone, man. It's money to be made out here. It's women to be loved out here. It's a lot of things that's going on in this world where the nonsense don't even need to be going down. So again, Mr. Robinson Jr., we wish you a speedy recovery. Uh, somebody who we might not wish a speedy return recovery <laughs> is uh. I guess now it's former Bills punter uh, Matt Areza. Uh, he was he was drafted this past season, and he was cut a couple of days ago because his name came up in a uh, sexual assault uh, case, uh, some sort of a, a gang gang rape. Um, again, case case hasn't gone to court yet, so we don't have all of the details and the evidence. And I and I do like to wait until we have all of the facts of the case before I place judgment on it. But we do have to report it because that's what's going on right now in the, in the news. I really hope that this is not the case, and this and this young man was not a part of anything like that. Um, but a, apparently, there were several teams that did know about this prior to the draft. Uh, the Bills still chose to to draft him. I don't know how much due diligence they did in regards to the matter. But, you know, as soon as it became a huge headline in the news, it didn't take much uh, time for them to to release him from the team. Um, and, and, you know, we're talking, we talking about a punter here. So it ain't like, you know, we're talking about a, a top quarterback or, or running back, wide receiver, line, anything. We You know, punter is like – if there's a position that we, that 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 GMs and, and coaches will easily say, "I right, get him up out of here," it's, it's definitely the punter. But again, I'm going to wait to to make my judgment until we get more evidence. But uh, Leo, what did you think, man, when when you saw this this uh, story becoming a big headline again? Yeah, I mean, I I tried to really hold off on the opinion side, just more on the football side, because you know, I always like to see facts presented, you know, like they say on the commercial, show me the call facts. I want to see the facts. So, you know, if it happened, obviously wasted opportunity for that young brother to be in the NFL. And just, I hope he, you know, uh, recovers from that in the, in the sense that he becomes a better human. 
But if it's not the case, then, um, you know, at the end of the day, you're a punter, bro. So, you know, once this luggage and, and, and baggage started coming in, it's like, all right, bro, get the hell up out of here. You know, we don't need you. We can find a punter up the, sh up the street. We can hire, you know, off indeed. You know what I'm saying? So um, they're not going to miss this guy. But, um, yeah, these are the things that happen sometimes when you're in college. You get into, you know, little situations like that, especially when um you got bad people and careless people at the same time as well. So, um, yeah, bro, it's unfortunate. You know, I won't be surprised if the Browns is on the call. <laughs> Listen, again, I hope this young brother is not involved because you probably just threw your whole career away. If yeah. you are, you're probably going to do some, some time behind this. And, you know, if, if anybody that knows, you know, sexual sexual offenders are not too yeah. liked in the prison system. Yeah. So they tell you, you out the frame, man. Yes. They tell you out the frame. So you got some things that you're gonna have to deal with. I, I hope you get your life together if the, if if it is true. You know, um and again, you know, if it's not, you know, ho hopefully you can get a job back and get you can get back to an NFL roster. But if it is, in the words of the good brother DNA, uh get him the F out of here. <laughs> and, that's the, and that's just how we feel about that situation. Um, but let's jump into some preseason football, man. Um, let me know, Lil, who who's impressed you uh, thus far over the preseason? Wow. The first name that comes to mind when you say that, because there's a lot of guys that's out here competing for a roster spot, so they're putting it all out there on the football field. But one name that comes to mind off the gate is George Pickens. And this is a guy that I've been high on. Even before the draft, you know, I always do my little scouting and have my list about my top wide receivers and quarterbacks. And he was a guy that made my top five. You know, I think for me and a lot of people, he could have been high. He was number five. But I, the reason why I didn't put him in the top three and why a lot of people undervalue him, you know, coming out the draft is because of, you know, some of the off the field antics that possibly went on when he was at Georgia and the injury. So you combine that your stock is going to go down. And I think the Steelers got themselves a guy. I don't know who the hell they have as their, you know, scouting guy when it comes to the skills position, but they always seem to just generate wide receivers like that. Like, it's just crazy. When you talk about guys like Montavious Bryant, Antonio Brown, I mean, the list goes on. The guys that they got now, Chase Claypool, out of Notre Dame, they always seem to generate the next-gen wide receiver, and they got one in George Pickens. That guy's going to be the real deal. Listen, I'm uh, I'm not mad at that, not one bit. Um, I'm 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 gonna tell you one guy who I who I'm gonna be keeping my eye on this season is uh, Davis Mills, uh, the Texans QB. Um, I know I know the Texans, you know, they've been dealing with a lot the past couple of seasons, uh, especially you know with the whole Deshaun Watson situation. They've finally uh, been able to move on from that. Um, but I've been watching them, uh, you know, keep my eye on them during the preseason. You know, I know they don't got, you know, the, the, the best of of, of lines um, or, or, or the best, uh, you know, of anything, <laughs> really. But I think uh, I, I like like what I've seen from Mills uh, so far uh, in the preseason, heading into the regular season. Not that I think that Texans will be doing anything um, outside of being a bottom of the barrel team this season, but he's just someone who I I, I wanted to, uh, to to keep an eye on um, this season. You know, um, of course, you know I, I, the Giants. You know, I'm I'm liking what I'm seeing so far from the team. I don't know where we're gonna go with this thing this season. It's it's definitely been you know been a rough couple of seasons for the Giants, um, but you know. I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hoping for the best. Hopefully, guys can uh, can stay healthy 
you know, they drafted my guy from Alabama, uh, Evan Neal, to secure the offensive line. And I, I'm hoping that he's able to do to do that as well. And, and, and the rest of those guys can come back and uh, and, and be healthy and, and maybe have somewhat of a decent season. The East is always so fickle. Anybody can win that that uh, division at any season. So I'm, I'm just hoping. I'm just, I got my fingers crossed. It takes 10 wins to win that division on a year-to-year basis. So, um, you know, I'm pretty sure the Giants don't have crazy lofty expectations to try to win that division, especially when you look at the Cowboys and some of the guys that they lost and Dak having to be the hero of that team. He's literally going to have to be the MVP for that team. And also, you know, the Eagles are an up-and-coming team. That's my pick to win a division. But, you know, at the same time, Jalen Hurts, is he that guy at the quarterback spot? I like his leadership. I like his mentality. But at the end of the day, can you play? And I think we're going to see a Jalen Hurts that's going to be the best version of himself. Mm-hmm. And um, the Giants is right there. You know, I look at the Giants. Hopefully, Saquon Barkley has a good year for just football reasons and personal reasons. I got the guy in my fantasy league, you know. But I think building on that offensive line and having years removed from injury, it's going to propel Saquon Barkley to literally go under the radar and surprise a few people. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm, I'm looking forward to that as well. There's one other guy who I, you know I think everybody should keep a, keep an eye on. He's actually uh, the, the the guy that replaced Jalen Hurts at Alabama, um, and that's Tua. You know, I'm I'm really liking the chemistry between him and and, and Tyreek Hill. Uh, Tyreek Hill has has he has been talking crazy. So for the Dolphins' sake, I really hope that that all of that transitions into the regular season. Um, you know, the Dolphins were a borderline playoff team with Brian Flores. Yeah. But you know, you add a guy you know like Tariq Hill, who's arguably the best wide receiver in football. They might have the fastest wide receiver core in football with, with Jalen Waddle on on the other side. Um, I, I'm looking forward to seeing how that 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 connection works out. I don't know if you know we're gonna get into a little bit of fantasy football, you know. But for you guys who have either Jalen Jalen Waddle or, or Tyreek Hill, your your season is kind of predicated off of what Tua does this season. The improvement. Um, I'm hoping that he does make that jump this season. You know, when you add a guy like Tariq Hill for any quarterback, you know, it, it should boost him up. You know, we we see what adding number one receivers has done for, uh, you know, teams like Buffalo when Stephon Diggs got there and the transition, you know, that they made moving up. So I'm, I'm, I want to see if, if we get that this season with Miami. It's it, to be honest, it's anybody's division. You know, your guy, my guy, Tom Too Cool is no longer with the New England Patriots. <laughs> you know, even though I love Mac Jones, it's crazy because we got two Alabama guys starting that quarterback in the in the AFC East. Um, yep. But it's anybody's division. Early pick. Who do you who do you have taking the AFC uh, East? It's crazy because when we did these predictions, and we we're still doing these predictions, but we actually took care of the AFC East already. I don't know, it's because I had something in my drink, but I went with the Dolphins. You know, I went with the Dolphins because, you know, you brought up a key point in your statement. They were close to making the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people forget that there were stretches where they went 5-2 and two at one point, where they won seven straight games after starting the season, like 0-6. Like, people forget about those things. And they have stretches where they proved that they could be a dominant team, but they also have those inconsistent stretches. And injury 
stretches. So I think when you have a guy in Tyreek Hill who's explosive, you know, my personal opinion, and I know you brought me here for headlines because that's what, you know, I come with, but I only speak my mind. When you talk about that Kansas City Chiefs team and you talk about Tyreek Hill, Patrick Mahomes, and Travis Kelsey, my, me personally, if you ask myself or any other defensive coordinator, that's not myself because I'm not a defense coordinator, but you ask a coordinator why are they up at night and who are they up at night preparing for on that team? It's Tyreek Hill, bro. What are we doing here? The guy's a speedy wide receiver. You have to account for him. You're playing too high safety. Just look at the coverages. Guys are playing too high safety to make sure that he don't burn them deep. Like the attention and gravity that Tyreek Hill pulls in allows other guys. Don't get me wrong. Mahomes is great in his own right. He's going to be continuing to be great. Kelsey's a Hall of Famer regardless before and after Tyreek Hill. But what Tyreek Hill presents with his speed alone, speed kills. And it also heals a football team as well. And I think it's going to be healing that Dolphins team. Yeah, I, you know, I, I got to agree. Um, as, as much respect as I give to, to Belichick, and, 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 and I feel like he's the greatest coach, you know, the NFL has, has seen. They just don't have the weapons um, yep. you know, to to really, you know, for me to be confident, you know, and they, and they did well last season, but when you add a guy like like Tariq Hill, man, that's that's different. That is a huge game changer. So I'm really looking forward uh to to the start of the season. Before I we- mean to answer your question too, my fault. I completely botched the answer. You know, I said the Dolphins. I'm going to stick with the Dolphins. But I won't count out the Bills. I still think the Bills will make the playoffs. I still think Josh Allen's a good quarterback. The only reason why there's that surprise of me going with the Dolphins over the Bills is because when I look at the Bills, sometimes they could be streaky. Like last year, believe it or not, they were streaky. They almost didn't make the playoffs last year. People forgot. Like they had their moments of dominance, but then you lose to Jacksonville and you lose to teams that you're not supposed to lose to. And you beat up a Kansas City team that was beat up at that time. You know, so I think the Bills could be a little bit tricky, but I can see them either being dominant or being a disappointment. But I have them making the playoffs still. Yeah, I, I think I I think the Bills do win the division, but I I also feel like Miami makes the playoffs this year. I think Tyreek Hill gets them over the hump, and uh, he he definitely better because he's been talking crazy. You know, uh, <laughs> and listen, and, and again, y- y- y'all, you guys know I'm I'm all about Alabama. <laughs> roll tight, everybody, get your roll on. But I ain't crazy enough to start talking about Tua is 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 more accurate than than Patrick Mahomes and and all this other stuff. Listen, you, I, I, I'm all for supporting your quarterback and trying to instill that confidence. But you know, we got to call a spade a spade, man. Patrick Patrick Mahomes, you know, is is arguably the best quarterback in football. You know, you, I can't see anybody putting him lower than third on the list. If if anything, you know what I mean. And, and Tua's. You know, as, as much potential I think he has, he ain't scratched the surface on, on, on what Patrick Mahomes has done and can do and, and will do in the future. I will say this last point. You know, I said this on the show before on End the Huddle. I said that Tyreek Hill going from Patrick Mahomes to two is like going from heaven to hell. But if you could bring heaven to hell with you, mm-hmm. then maybe that might be heaven. So we'll see what Tyreek can bring to that team. We shall see. We got we got about a week. We got 10 days left, something like that. Before before we start the season, yeah. so so we going we gonna see um, the the last of the NFL player rankings have been released. Was a little bit of controversy at number one, Lil. I know you're all for this. I know you 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 probably was probably one of the voters who voted for for Tom Brady to get the number one spot. 
Um, but he did edge out uh, Aaron Donald um, for the number one spot. Uh, moved up six spots because last year he was seventh on on the list. Um, I'm gonna let you go first because I, you know, because you be more gung ho than me about Tom <laughs> Brady. So I'm gonna let you go first. Did Tom Brady deserve the number one spot? Absolutely. I don't think there's no question. You know, I'm very prerogative on the record for a long time that Tom Brady got robbed with no gun when it came to winning the MVP. Listen, I understand Aaron Rodgers is a, is a guy. He's a dude. He can play quarterback pretty well. You know, I'm not going to take anything away from the cat, but Tom Brady is that guy. Like, you lead the league in passing yards at your age and attempts and completions and touchdowns. I mean, what are we doing here? Like, I think a lot of people need to have a conversation to come together and figure out what the criteria is for winning the MVP. Because I think things switch up to the liking of somebody, right? One year is, oh, the best record, and that's the what thing we're going to roll with. Then it's stats. Then it's like, you know, different things. There's different derogatory terms when it comes to who's the MVP. If that's the case, then everybody that wins the number one seed should be the MVP because I think Tom Brady, not I think, the stats are what they are. He outperformed Aaron Rodgers in a lot of statistics. Maybe Aaron Rodgers had a few uh, interceptions and things of that nature, but that was about it. You know, when I look at Tom Brady and all the things he does at the line of scrimmage before the play even develops, that's MVP. Getting guys in tune with what you're doing, that's MVP. Making sure that guys are watching film. Tom Brady is watching film. He's the first one to, to leave, or excuse me, the first one to get there and the last one to leave. Just the, all the little nuances that people are not talking about is why Tom Brady is the best at what he does. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's a popularity contest. I'd rather take my information from players that watch film in a different realm than what we watch, you know, on Sundays and highlights. These are guys that's actually going up against these guys. And they say Tom Brady is the GOAT, and I ain't denying that. He's number one. All right, now, y'all know I, I, I've been going to war for Tom Brady for a long time. I, you know, I'm, I'm the one that gave him the nickname Tom Too Cool. But I will say this. I did not feel like Tom Brady should be the number one ranked player in the NFL right now. Um, I know you mentioned the stats. Numbers was slightly better in a couple of categories. He also played a couple more games than uh, Aaron Rodgers last season. So that kind of, you know, accommodates for that um, you know, but even with that, I mean the you know less far less turnovers from Aaron Rodgers though four four interceptions to to twelve from Tom Brady. Um, my biggest thing though with with the pick for number one because actually to be honest with you, I thought Aaron Donald should have been ranked number one. Um, this this year, the my issue with it is is as good as Tom Brady was. He's another year older, and I know we've people been talking about Tom Brady's age for probably the past ten years now, but it's hard for me to push him ahead just in the rankings of Aaron Rodgers. Uh, you know, just because I mean, coming off of back to back MVPs, um, you know, I just feel like this was this was another one of those. All right, it's Tom Brady. Let's just put him up there because he came back out of retirement, and let's make Tom Brady the number one guy. Um, you know, and I was actually I was talking to my cousin yesterday about this, and he's also a huge Tom Brady fan. 
And I was saying that, you know, if Brady, if the Buccaneers had won the Super Bowl last year and they put him as the number one uh, rated player in the NFL, I would have no problem with it. You know what I mean? But I, I, just, I, can't, I can't give him the number one spot this season, you know, just because, again, I mean, it, listen, whatever, however you want to call it, there was one MVP and, and his name was Aaron Rodgers. So it, and I he's, think he's younger than Tom Brady. Tom Brady also has a way better offensive line than, than Aaron Rodgers has, and he also has way better weapons than, than Aaron Rodgers had. Outside of Devontae uh, Adams last season, I mean, once you take him out of the equation, you got Mike Evans, Godwin, you had Antonio Brown out there for a little while, uh, Gronkowski, you know what I mean, for net. Like, there's just so many weapons for Tom Brady, um, you know, so just this time. And I'm not saying take him out of the top five or anything like that. I just feel like if, if you – Pushed him back to three, and then brought Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Donald up to to one and two. I'd be okay with that. And that's no, you know, that's no slight to Tom Brady because Tom Brady is Tom Brady. He's the goat. But I just feel like in this particular case, I don't think he's the best player in the NFL going into this season. I mean, I think there's a lot of things, a lot of factors and dynamics <laughs> that go into that. You know, when you look at Tom Brady and you look at the philosophy of the Buccaneers, I mean, what Tom Brady is doing, leading the league in pass attempts. And the interceptions, even though it may seem like it's much, it's really not when you consider on the Bruce Arians or the quarterbacks on the Bruce Arians that have through for volume of interceptions. Like, for example, Jameis Winston, who had 30 for 30 vision, the first one to ever do so, you know, and um, Ben Wattlesberger, Carson Palmer, interceptions, interceptions. So Tom Brady has brought a level of efficiency in an offense that's predicated on pushing the ball down the field and going to the biscuit. Going for the biscuit, no risk it, no biscuit. When you look at the Packers, their philosophy is we got a head coach that's uh X's and O's genius and Matt LaFleur, and we're gonna run the football, AJ Dillon, Aaron Jones, and we're gonna do play action. We have the best wide receiver on football. So it's a more efficient approach and it's results. It shows in Aaron Rodgers stat lines the efficiency within that offense and that identity. So one is more efficient, one is more take risk, and yet Tom Brady. 12 interceptions is not a lot for that philosophy. And Tom Brady's just, I think what this list is, is the players saying Tom Brady was robbed, just like how I feel. He was robbed of winning MVP. He's still the best player. We see it on a day-to-day basis. And that's what I think this list is about more so than it is. Aaron Rodgers won the MVP, should have got the, the nod. Well, again, I can't say he's the best player because I just think Aaron Donald is the, is the best player in football. And obviously, I you know if if it comes down to it, they're gonna give the nod to a, a QB over a defensive player because a quarterback. True, you know that's a good saying? point. True, yeah, it has more of an effect on the, the total outcome of the game. They control so much, but if if we're just, if we're talking about just at an individual position and who is more dominant at their position, I think it's Aaron Donald hands down. Is, okay. You know what I mean? I could agree with that. I could dig, I could dig that. You know, I'd still have Tom Brady over Aaron Rodgers personally. But if you want to go Aaron Donald at number one, I'm not finding that at all. I actually could co-sign that, to be honest. I, I, was gonna, I thought she was going to give me a little bit more pushback on that one. Nah, because nah, nah, that's true. I mean, Aaron Donald at his position, bro, there's nobody in the same vicinity. Yeah. You can't say that about Tom Brady. Aaron Rodgers is in the vicinity. Patrick Mahomes is in the vicinity. But nobody's in the same vicinity when it comes to Aaron Donald, so that's dominance. Yeah, he just got to stop picking up helmets in practice and practicing and swinging yeah. on people because I don't need him getting suspended out here. 
You know, the Rams, the Rams might want to repeat this year. He can't be out here doing stuff like that in practice. I know I know the testosterone is built up, and you know it's football. Ah, everybody's extra aggressive, but you got to chill a little. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's just wild, man. That, that's just crazy. Um, another another thing that's crazy, which uh, I'm going to tell you, this this shocked me, because um, I was just talking about this brother uh, maybe like two weeks ago, uh, two, three weeks ago. I was talking about him. I was just asking. I was like, yo, is Geno Smith still in the league? Because I did not know if he was still in the league. And I literally asked somebody, so I go in and like, ah, yeah, he's still in the league. He's on the roster. And sure enough, you know, and we spoke about this, you know, you know him a little while ago on the show. So I guess he must have been listening and turned his level of play all the way up because he was able to snag the Seattle Seahawks uh, starting quarterback spot. And, you know, for me not even realizing he was in the league three weeks ago, that's a hell of an accomplishment, man. I mean, it is, uh, but, you know, uh, how could I be nice here? You know, I, I'm in a good mood today, sort of. So, you know, I think when you talk about Seattle, bro, you know, I never knew why they traded Russell Wilson. I understand there was a philosophy war that was going on with Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll. But um, at the same time, Russell Wilson is your quarterback. You don't got to trade him. You know, you don't. When you trade a guy like Russell Wilson, you're committing to a full rebuild process and trying to find that next guy. And, and that's exactly what they're doing with their draft picks. Kenneth Walker, you know, you got with Sharp Penny, they're going to run the football and, you know, just try to do what they did before with Russell Wilson when he came into that Legion of Boom or Doom, whatever, one of those. I think it was Doom, Legion of Doom in the running Boom. game and ease the. Legion of Boom and ease the quarterback into a situation where he's not asked to do a lot and win a Super Bowl in the process. I think that's what they're trying to do. But lo and behold, Geno Smith is just a placeholder. I don't think that's the guy going forward. I think he'll be the guy for this year, probably half the season. And I see Drew Locke coming in because I think Drew Locke has a level of explosiveness to him. He can't, you know, sometimes he try to play hero ball too much. That's his problem. It was evident in the preseason game, especially the last one. You know, he'll throw a bomb, and you're like, yo, that's a pretty neat throw. That That's a God-gifted throw. I can't see too many quarterbacks out here that's making that throw. And then the next play here come with the foolishness, with the forcing the ball into a tight window that's not there. And it's an interception, not reading the safety off. Interception. So I think eventually they rock with Geno. Then they realize that, all right, let's see what the Drew Locke guy has because he's still a young guy. Mm -hmm. So maybe we can see if there's upside and just throw him in there, ease him in there, and then they'll try to go, you know, bottom out and try to get their real quarterback of the future, maybe a C.J. Stroud from Ohio State or a guy like Bryce Young from Alabama. Roll Tide. Um, I, I agree. I do, I do feel like it's a placeholder. Again, uh, you know, for reasons we spoke about earlier in the show, I'm happy that we got another brother starting that quarterback in this league. You know, Gino worked hard, I guess, and and got him a, a second chance. So I'm excited for him. Um, I, I agree with you as far as Drew Locke taking over. If 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 Gino starts off the season slow, um, which kind of sucks because they did lose, you know, a couple of key pieces from 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 last season. Um, you know what I mean? So we got to see how this goes. I do feel like, you know, and for, for you guys at home that picked up Rashad Penny, I think it's a good pickup uh, for fantasy football purposes because he played really well last season. Mm -hmm. Hopefully that will help out uh, Geno Smith having him, you know, running the football if, if he can, can pick up from where he left off last season. But I do think they are looking for their quarterback of the future. Um, you know, there ain't no Legion of Boom no more. 
Shout out to uh, former guest Super Bowl champion Walter Thurman, um, who was a member of that Legion of Boom Seattle Seahawks team. Um, you know what I mean? They 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 they're not that no more. They, they ain't that no more. This is kind of like the new Seattle coming into play. Um, you know, if Geno can hold on, you know, who knows? I, I, I can't say he was able to get the starting starting job. Who knows how he does this season? Maybe he does hold on to the starting job this season. You know, if they if they go the first half of the season and and they're four and two, I don't think they go to Drew Locke. You know what I mean? So I think it all is all contingent. Geno Smith pretty much can write his own ticket this season. Um, and, and if he does well enough, he can kind of finesse that into another contract from either the Seahawks or some other team, um, you know, next season. So I wish him, I I think, wish him the best. I think for Seattle, I actually think they're making the right decision as far as just – Building it back up, you know, full rebuild mode because a lot of people don't don't want to commit to the rebuild. You know, when you're spoiled for winning championships and getting to Super Bowls, it's hard to look in the mirror and say, "All right, we got to bottom out. We try to compete." You see what the Colts are doing. I don't think the Colts are in a good position, kind of like I'm in the middle because they have a guy in Matt Ryan that's an upgrade from Wentz, but every year it's trade a pick for a quarterback, trade a pick for a quarterback. It's like those are assets that you're using and you're not even winning a championship. You might as well try to bottom out and try to go for a rebuild. Now they got a championship roster, so it's hard to say that, but at least right now with Seattle just bottoming out, even though they didn't have to, they had a quarterback. I think it's the right move for them to try to get their quarterback so they don't have to try to get a Jimmy Garoppolo and be a placeholder or Baker Mayfield, and he doesn't have the upside that some people think he has, you might as well just get your quarterback of the future and roll with him. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I agree. Uh, you know, in regards to the Colts, it's unfortunate, you know, that Andrew Luck decided to retire early because the Colts would be serious Super Bowl contenders right now if if, if Andrew Luck was still behind center. Um, but, yeah, you know, listen – I don't know how much Matt, Matt Ryan got left in the tank. To be honest with you, he has not been the same since the score read twenty-eight to three in, in the Super Bowl. He, that brother has not been the same since then. So I don't know what we're gonna get from him, but I do know that the Colts have a good enough team. Um, you got you know Michael Pittman Jr. You got a couple other receivers out there that are pretty good. You you may have the best running back, uh, you know, in, in football. Over there, um, I mean, I know, I know my 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 main man <laughs> down in Tennessee might feel a little bit bit differently about that, Derrick Henry. But you know, from what we saw last season, if he if it, how how did Jay say it? If he ain't better than Big, he the closest one. <laughs> you know, so I think that um, yeah. they do have a good enough squad. Um, I would like to see them with a nice with a, with, with an upgrade at, at quarterback, though. But who knows? You know, maybe Matt Ryan coming in. You know, that veteran experience. He's been to the playoffs several times. He's been to the Super Bowl. It didn't work out as planned, but he did go. He did go to the Super Bowl, guys. <laughs> but uh, maybe he'll be able to to work that out. I, I you know I don't know. Um, another team though that's gonna have to work some things out. Uh, the Dallas uh, Cowboys, they have officially lost their left tackle, uh, Ty Smith. He's out indefinitely. They're saying a couple of months, but, uh, you know, who knows with this kind of thing and who knows where Dallas will be, you know, when he's able to come back. Because one thing about Dallas, they're great 
when they have that offensive line that they've had for for some time now. Obviously, the last couple of seasons, injuries have really taken a toll on them. But, you know, when you have, you know, guys out there like Zeke who their success is contingent on how well that offensive line plays and you take away one of, if not the best left tackle in football, uh, you know, I think it's going to be tough for him. I think I think Zeke struggles. He's been struggling. His his numbers have consistently gone down pretty much. I want to say this is a rookie season, or maybe maybe a second season. They've started okay. to consistently uh, drop, and then you know with Dak, they just gave him all that money. He can't afford to get hurt again. So you're gonna they're gonna have to do something to shore up that that line. They're already missing a couple of, of receivers. Uh, you know, I know a lot of people felt Dallas would you know take the division. But, you know, they're taking a lot of losses right now. And I, this one might be the biggest loss. No, absolutely. It is the biggest loss when you lose a lineman like that. I mean, that's where the Cowboys are predicated on their line. That's what made them uh, a team that was consistently, I won't say consistently, but made the playoffs a few times in the Dak Ezekiel era. But I think when you talk about what they want to do and their identity and what their identity should be, it should be running the football. You got two backs, use them, bro. One of them out here making $90 million. The other one is out here looking explosive. Use them. You know, when you when you lose Amari Cooper and you have Mike Gallup, that's not going to be, you know, playing until a couple weeks, however long he's going to be coming back from that ACL injury, you're going to have to run the football. That's what I assume the identity will be. Obviously, you got the young bull over there and CeeDee Lamb. But um, it's about running the football, being strong in the trenches and winning the games that way, keeping the opposing quarterback on the bench while you run down their throat. And literally, you have a tight end there in Dalton Schultz, who's probably going to be a very big red zone target. That's what the identity is and what it should be. And um, now losing alignment like that is going to be harder for these guys to have lanes to run through. And obviously, Dak Prescott, that's a guy that you want to keep upright, and he's going to have a lot to do. And I think the Cowboys, it just puts the exclamation point on them probably having the worst offseason outside of Chicago. You know, what they're doing with Justin Fields over there. I think when you lose talents like Amari Cooper, one of the best route winners in the game, and Cedric Wilson is another guy that nobody talks about I like. I would have been fine with him being a third wide receiver on this team in second until Mike Gallup comes back. He's he out. He stepped so up last season you lose. with all the injuries. He, st- he stepped yeah, up. You lose. You stepped up, yeah. And you subtract and you don't add. And that's the problem that we're having right now. Now, my question for you is, because you, you mentioned Tony Pollard. Uh, I Honestly, I feel like Tony Pollard should be starting. I feel like, you know, last season he showed he's the better of the two running backs. But then there's the fact that you're, playing, you're paying Zeke, like you said, that $90 million. Should Tony Pollard be the starting running back for Dallas? It's tough because of the financial investments that was made. You know, when you invest in something, you want to see that something, you know, live up to your investment. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, sometimes you just got to throw caution to win and say, all right, forget it. I'll cut my losses. At the end of the day, we hit to win games. Right. That's why we paid Ezekiel in the first place. That's why we paid Dak in the first place. And that's why we paid Amari Cooper at one point. And we trying to win games. And I think if Tony Pollard gives you that best chance to do it, you know, you can split the reps. Right. Who's ever starting doesn't mean that person has to take majority of the reps. You can have, you know, Zeke in the red zone. I think he'll be a better yes. red zone guy than um, Tony Pollard. So you can mix and match. You can still live up to your investment and, and get the fruits of your investment at the same time. 
Tony Pollard proven to be the more explosive back. He can do more in the passing game. So I would start Tony Pollard and cut my losses. Now, I will say this, because we're about to get into fantasy football. If you drafted Zeke, if you drafted Tony Pollard, it's gonna, it might be a tough season for you because they're going to split carries. And you might see a situation where if you drafted Zeke, Tony Pollard starts to pull away towards the, towards the end of the season. So you just be careful out there if you drafted already. If you haven't drafted yet, um, I had the pleasure of, of joining uh, Lil's Fantasy Football League yesterday. We had the draft uh, last night. Um, I'm pretty. I'm, I'm liking my team with that, Lil. I seen you had a good grade uh, for your draft as well. Um, talk, talk to me a little bit about about fantasy football, man. Because you know you've been rocking with us in the fantasy football league as well the yeah. past couple of seasons. So for the because you we already did the draft, so you can probably you can give out a pointer or two to the to the people at home. Uh, if you if you have the number one pick in this year's uh, fantasy football uh, league. Who are you taking? I'm taking Jonathan Taylor. You know, I had the number two pick, so that kind of put me in a big hole because that's actually a harder pick than three, four, and five, in my honest opinion, because you know number one is out, the guy that's the safest bet. So now you kind of got to be creative and look at risk and try to mix and match, and now you have the choice of, I right, do I go running back? Robbie C was all being um, very valuable in fantasy, especially the top five wide receivers now. So they almost narrowing that gap with the running backs. Running backs are normally the guys that you go for. And so do you take a wide receiver and say, all right, the second and third round, I know what I have to do. Now I know that I need a running back. And so I'm going to go after that because that's going to be taken up. So with myself, JT was already off the board. I'm not invested in Christian McCaffrey. I'm sorry. I understand the upside possibly can win you your league, but I'm not about gambling like that. I'm not even a gambler like that in real life, so I'm not even going to do it in the fantasy land either. And I think that's just huge gambles when you talk about a guy that only played 10 games the last couple of seasons. I just um go with one of the wide receivers, and that's ultimately what I did. I went with Justin Jefferson at number two. I know a lot of people may have said, oh, my gosh, oh, CMC, this is Christmas, bro. But at the same time, you know, I think Justin Jefferson, him, first of all, I think he's a He's my favorite wide receiver in the league. And sometimes I call him the best wide receiver in the league because he's my personal favorite. And I think he's trending that way to be the best wide receiver in the league. You know, um, no shots at anybody else. If Monte Adams arguably is, you know, the last couple of seasons, he's still got that title. But I think Jefferson is coming for that crown. You know, he led what he actually led the league in targets, I believe, or something to that effect or close there. Mm -hmm. And now you're having a guy like Kevin O'Connell. Uh, offensive-minded guy that's going to bring a level of swag to this offense in the passing game, being more of a pass-heavy attack. I think when you saw what he did with Cooper Cup, I think the same thing could be expected of Justin Jefferson, you know, being put in situations where you're getting the ball, slot, downfield, in space, and I think Justin Jefferson has that skill set to live up to those expectations, and that's why I took him with the number two pick. Uh, yeah, listen, I think he's great. He, I had him last year uh, in the fantasy football league, so I know what Justin Jefferson can do. I do agree with you on the number one pick as well, Jonathan Taylor. Uh, he, he was the best running back in football. 
Um, and again, I agree, I can't I agree with you again on the Christian McCaffrey. I wouldn't pick Christian McCaffrey um, if I had one of those top picks because I'd be too afraid of the injuries. Uh, same thing with Saquon Barkley, and that's my guy. That's that's the Giants right there. But when we're talking about fantasy football, you gotta you gotta pick with your head and not your heart. And you know, picking one of those two guys, you know, I, I I'm, I'm a little nervous about that. If if we're talking about seventh, eighth pick, and they're available, yeah, I'll take one of those two guys. Um, but I'm definitely, if I got the number one pick, I'm gonna go Jonathan Taylor first. And if he's not available, if I'm picking that number two, I'd probably go Derrick Henry uh, next. Um, I you know I know he he missed some time last season, but. Even with him missing time, he still had more fantasy points than than three fourths of the fantasy football world. Even with him missing the time that he missed, like I, I there were literally games last season because my cousin uh, Jonathan had him on his team. There were literally games that he won because of Derek solely because of Derek Henry. You know what I mean? So I'd probably still yeah. take take Derek Henry, um, and I'll give you guys one little little pointer if you haven't done your draft yet. Be careful when you're picking these wide receivers, okay? You mentioned Devontae Adams, arguably the best wide receiver in football. There's a huge difference between Aaron Rodgers and uh, and Derek Carr. No disrespect to Derek Carr because I think he's good, he's solid, but he ain't back-to-back MVP uh, Aaron Rodgers. He's, He's not that, okay? So... I need you guys to be aware of that when you when you are making your 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 picks. Be aware when these guys, you know what I mean. If they, if that quarterback ain't good, that situate quarterback situation ain't right. Your wide receiver might struggle. No matter how good your wide receiver is, he has to have somebody that can get him the football and put him in position to make big plays. Okay, so just be on the lookout for that. We got to transition over to, to the NBA because we're running a little bit low on time. Um, huge loss for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, number two pick, Chet Holmgren. I, listen, man, I, I like the kid. I did feel like he needed to to bulk up some. I thought he was too skinny. And, um, you know, unfortunately, he tried to guard the king. LeBron James, you know, <laughs> one of them, one of them summer league, uh, you know, joints or whatever, the Drew League. I forget which league it was in. Um, but he 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 injured. Um, he's injured. He had a leg was a leg injury, um, and he is going to miss this entire season. Um, it really kind of sucks for for OKC, but it doesn't suck for OKC too much because they got a lot of draft picks. And if they struggle and they lose and they're at the bottom of the barrel, they'll have a top uh, draft pick next season. So it kind of you know it's 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 the gift and the curse. You know, so to speak. Obviously, I know he'd like to play, um, but you know, if if it helps OKC moving forward, because they, I think, you know, as far as their core guy go, core guys go, they they might not have anybody who's over like twenty four. You know what I mean? Yeah. On the team, all of these guys guys are, are really young. Um, you know what I mean? So that's unfortunate, but he will miss his entire rookie season. Yeah, it's a very unfortunate thing for Chad Holmgren. That was one of the guys that I wanted to see. I like what he did, you know, in the summer league. And I thought that he showed upside, you know, even though, you know, there was risk involved. We all knew it. We all knew he needed to bulk up. And because, you know, the league is still physical, even though there's a lot of skill, more skill than it is physicality, still physical physicality in the league. 
right? You're still playing back-to-backs, you know, 82 games. You know, there's a lot of things. You got big dudes like LeBron James coming at you. Um, So I think for me, it just more so pointed out that the Pro-AM League and all these other leagues offseason, I'm not really for, you know. Um, I, I just think that the NBA probably is going to figure that out and probably do something about that because, you know, my mind kind of operates differently from a lot of people. I understand that. But when I look at it, I see a lot of guys low managing. They don't want to play in the NBA. Some of them not throwing shots at the people that come every single night and give it they all. But some guys, they don't want to show up. They want to sit in the bench. They want to hold out. They want to low manage. And yet, you know, when it comes to, you know, off, you know, off the season calendar type of events like, you know, this, they want to play. So, you know, I think the NBA would probably do something about this because you don't want to lose, you know, guys like Chet Holmgren. You want to see rookies like that. You want to see the best players play. That's why we watch the game and games that matter. And I think um, the NBA doesn't do you no favors with that long, tedious schedule. 82, I always say that that season is too long. It needs to be shortened. But at the end of the day, money's what's important, at least for them. So yeah. I think overall, it sucks for the kid. But um, hopefully, we'll see him back on the court sooner rather than later. Yeah, I I, I, I hope he bounces back. <coughs> Excuse me, next season. Um, because I, I I'm looking forward to seeing him play. I I you know I had to go with the Blue Devils though. I did go with Paolo as my <laughs> as my preseason or yeah. off season pick for Rookie of the Year. But I do want to see Chet because I think he he's an amazing talent. Um, and, and once he does get a little bit of weight on him, I think he, he can be very good in this league for a long time. So definitely wish him a speedy recovery. Uh, one other injury happened over uh, overseas. But uh, Celtics, they have now – they're going to start the season without their uh, one of their new acquisitions, uh, Danilo Gallinari, former New York Knicks, drafted by the Knicks um, all those many years ago. But he um, he tears his meniscus, so he is going to be out for some time as well. Um, fortunately for you know for Boston, like they have a deep enough team where you know I don't think it, it stops what they do this season. But you know it sucks because I know they would like to have had Gallo in for training camp, in for preseason to really kind of get acclimated to the team. It's a little, it's always a little harder when you kind of try to fit yourself in when things are already moving. You know, it's kind of like uh, when the train is, is going and you try to run and hop on at the at, before it takes off, it's, it's tough. It's tough to do that. Um, so it sucks for, for Gallo and for Boston. But, uh, you know, he will be back soon. So we, we'll have to wait and see on that one. Um, but this is one I really want to talk to you about, Pat Bev to the Lakers. Um, it was One, was this the right trade for L.A.? And two, what kind of an impact do you think Pat Bev will have on the Lakers? I think for the Lakers, I would say it's a trade that, how can I word it? I guess you could say it had to be done, even though it didn't have to be done. And let me explain myself. You know, I think right now they are in a situation self-oriented. Nobody's feeling sorry for them. They're the ones that want to make Russell Westbrook work with LeBron James, even though I just knew, you know, just from watching basketball these years, that wasn't going to work. And now they're in this little bond where they're trying to enhance and improve this roster that needs improving. They sign all these old cats, these Uncle Jews out here. You know, um, great careers in their primes. 
Obviously, we respect what they do on a night-to-night basis, but come on, bro. They, they age, you know? So they signed a lot of old guys, and now they're trying to undo what they already done done. So I think when you talk about them trying to improve, I think Pat Beverly, nobody can go wrong with Pat Beverly on their team. I understand the guy is not the, you know, shooter that everybody wants on their team, but he brings a level of physicality. When I looked at this Lakers team last year, one of the biggest issues I had was their commitment to defense. You know, I see guys trying to exalt all that energy offensively, and I know you're a LeBron James guy. I respect the guy, obviously one of the greatest of all time, right? Obviously right up there with Jordan. But there were times where he would score offensively and not get back on the other end of the floor. You're the leader of this team. If you're not getting back at the end of the floor and try to, you know, obviously be defend your man, then how are you going to rally the troops to do the same thing? You can't be, and he will be frustrated with guys like, yo, why are you not defending? But it takes you as a leader. I understand your age and all that, but you're the leader of this team. Now you get a guy like Pat Beverly who's going to take on that defensive assignment, not afraid to get down and dirty, you know, get on the floor, die for loose balls, and just get up all in your grill. And I think that's going to bring a level of just a guy that been there before that knows what it takes you know you saw it that helped the Timberwolves last year in the playoffs having that veteran right there I think it's going to help the Lakers from that standpoint and um it's very interesting to see what they're going to do with Russell Westbrook with this move yes I think that's the biggest question um and I'll address that in a second in regards to Patrick Beverly I love the trade I love the trade for the Lakers um you know no disrespect to Taylor Horton uh Tucker but he he didn't give the Lakers what they were expecting to get from him when when they uh, extended him, um, and on top of that, they have more of a need for defense uh, as opposed to offense. Because you know, again, you know, Tht he's had some big games. I believe he had what a 40, 44 point game uh, last season, so he can put up buckets. But that's not really what the Lakers need right now. They need guys that can play defense. Um, you know, you're talking about LeBron and getting back all the time. I mean, listen, nobody in this league is asked to do more things than LeBron James is. Maybe not even in the history of the NBA has more been asked of one individual player. You know, you you need rebounds. All right, call LeBron. You need assists, call LeBron. You need a steal, call LeBron. You need a block, call LeBron. You need points, call LeBron. You know, LeBron has to do everything. You know, the defensive anchor on this team is supposed to be Anthony Davis. But we can't seem to get him to stay on the court, so <laughs> that trickles down, you know. And a lot of people, you know, talk about the the Lakers defense, but you forget Anthony Davis miss has been missing a lot of time. When Anthony Davis was playing and healthy, they won the championship. Anthony Davis is out, you know. You take away your defensive anchor, and then now you want to put thirty seven, thirty eight year old LeBron James and think he's gonna be running around four quarters, chasing up the best players and all of that. No, LeBron has to pick his spots. He's going on year 20. He's not, play, he's not playing defense like he did in Miami anymore. That, that's out of the question. He's past that, he's past that I point seen, in, in his career. I think for me, sometimes I get it like you have guys that just are natural defenders, but I think sometimes it's the commitment to that side of the ball. Like LeBron, I've seen LeBron like, literally be a capable defender in his career like when he wants to like i see him save energy and then go out there and defend at certain times especially come playoff time he plays a whole nother like a whole nother way come playoff time lebron james is a just a different dude on both ends but i think it was just the commitment just the effort and just it was a lot of silliness with the lakers we all remember that game against the pelicans 
you know, that Sunday night game. I mean, it's games like that that really stands out. And I think a guy like Pat Bev would just change the makeup and mindset of this team. And having Anthony Davis back, if he can stay healthy, you know, obviously that's a big question. I think this team should at least be in the playing game, at least be in the playing game. There's no reason why they should not be at least in the playing game. Well, the Lakers aren't done yet making moves. Um, I'm going to say this now. Don't be surprised if you see Miles Turner pop up in a Lakers uniform at the start of the season. Uh, I mean, maybe one or two other guys because the Lakers aren't done yet. Um, I, again, you know, you mentioned Westbrook and, and what they're going to do with him. Obviously, in order for them to get Miles Turner, I think Westbrook is going to have to be included in some kind of a trade. I think he will. Um, not that I feel like it could never happen with him and Patrick Beverly could work out, but we know the, the longstanding issues that they've had uh, with one another, so that would be kind of a tough sell. Um, but I think, you know, them bringing in Patrick Beverly kind of puts the stamp on it that Westbrook is going to ultimately be traded. Um, and I will say this. If the if that does happen, and, and we're going to talk about this in a couple of weeks when we when we see these moves being made, if you add Miles Turner to to that Lakers uh, you know roster and, and and one other piece or two that that the Lakers are looking at getting, you know I think they're right back in the thick of things in the Western Conference, and the sky's the limit for that team. They they Lakers really the Lakers' biggest issue is, has been health since they won the championship. That's really the issue because everything kind of starts from them not having key guys during key times. And, you know, when you lose LeBron for chunks of the season, that's pretty much your team. But when you lose a guy like AD, that's your defense right there as well. So it makes things a little bit tougher. But, again, we got a couple of – you know, we got we got some time before before the season starts, before the new uh, – for the new 2K drops and the rosters is updated. So we, we'll, we'll keep you guys posted on that uh, really quick. Kyrie, more headlines. Uh, it, it was uh, it was said by, by a former NBA player, Olden Pauly Nice, uh, that he had some words for Steve Nash. You, we all know uh, how, how uh, Kyrie feels about the late, great Hall of Famer uh, Kobe Bean Bryant. And uh, he had some words with Steve Nash at his house and, and uh, basically told him that he should give uh, Kobe his MVP trophies back <laughs> because he shouldn't have been the MVP uh, for those two years, the back-to-back seasons that Steve Nash got him. Uh, what was your take on that? Does the, You know, should Steve Nash – obviously he's not going to do that, and it wouldn't even matter if he did because it's already in the history books. Um, but, you know, what, what, was, was Kyrie wrong for that? Was he out of pocket for that one? Yeah, I think – you know, uh, Kyrie Irving is a bold individual. He's just bold, you know, for good and for bad. And when I look at comments like that, you know, saying that you should give the trophy back to Kobe Bryant, I mean, I just look at comments like that and it just sums up how bold Kyrie Irving is, you know. I think sometimes you got to respect individuals. I understand we don't like everybody's perspective on things, right? We don't agree with everybody's perspective on things. But sometimes we have to respect people's boldness and ability to speak their mind right i think there's a level of respect that that deserves because you're being yourself sometimes people just mask themselves and try to say things to be politically correct or try to impress somebody or impress the person that they're talking to and they don't be themselves and you know that's why sometimes i respect kyrie irving at the same time because i'm the same way i say how i feel 
and I don't go with fear in what I'm saying. So I think Kyrie Irving is just a testament to how bold he is. Some of the statements he made, we remember the statement he made about the coaching when it came to Brooklyn. We don't need a coach. You know, we can coach this, that, and the third. And you have to know, you know, with Kyrie Irving, that's how he is. And so I'm not really going to make a big deal out of it. It's just bold. And that's Kyrie Irving. He's bold. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's Kyrie being Kyrie. And, you know, I will say, I will say this. I mean, listen, at the end of the day, I didn't feel like Steve Nash should have got both of those MVPs. I did think he should have got one. But to be honest with you, the one that I don't feel like he should have got, I don't feel like it would it should have went to Kobe. I feel like it should have went to LeBron. Anyway, um, that that season, um, but uh, you know, in regards to Kyrie, (laughs) I think it's he should have had got the next job either. You know, that's another luck, lucky thing that happened. Yeah, I agree agree (laughs) with that one too. Um, but I do feel like Kyrie was out of pocket. You don't go to some to, you know, if if that is the if that is the case, you don't go to to somebody's crib and (laughs) tell him, uh, yo, I I think that uh, you should give Kobe those MVPs. Like what? (laughs) What? That's mad disrespectful, you know what I'm saying? I get it, you know, Kobe is loved and revered, but again, I don't even think, you know, both of those, if any if anything, I don't even think that you know, the one I was talking about should have went to Kobe anyway. But, you know, it is what it is. We we know Kyrie is known it's, for jumping out the window from time to time. So It's a it's a testament because Kobe got a lot of guys, you know, in the NBA just like from his branch, uh, guys that just mm-hmm. mark their game after him. You know, the Tatums, the Bookers, the Kyrie Irvins. And Kyrie Irving, he has a special feeling when it comes to Kobe Bryant. You hear him in the interviews talk about him all the time and how much he meant to him when he won that championship, FaceTiming Kobe Bryant in the locker room. Kobe Bryant means a lot to him. So if he felt that he should have won the MVP that year, which I know some people that felt that way too, then he's going to probably say it. And he did, boldly. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, listen, he speaks his mind. I can't I can't say nothing about that. Uh before we get off the NBA though, Donovan Mitchell, uh I guess he's the last guy. Now that KD said he's going to stay in Brooklyn, I think, you know, that whole situation just calmed down. Uh but he's the last big name that we've been talking about for the past couple of weeks um where he'll be to start the season. Um I do think ultimately a trade gets done. Where I'm I'm not sure yet, but I'm I I I want to say he winds up with the Knicks this season, um, which ain't good for them. You know, I'm not, I don't really rock with the Knicks like that. But if if they get Donovan Mitchell, they bring a superstar there. I'm okay with that. I mean, I want to see it. You know, I'm a Knicks fan, clear. So behind my back, but you know, <laughs> I want to see Donovan Mitchell on the team. You know, I want to see our team improve. You know, we don't have a lot of talent, right? We have guys with potential. You know, we topping. I'm not sure how high his ceiling is at his position but i do know you know he could play fast break and things of that nature right one and gun you could want something like that i think with donovan mitchell it's going to be interesting to see if we do pull that off how he's going to fit with Jalen brunson they're both undersized so they could be kind of liabilities offensively on that end but one is more crafty and slow pace and that'd be Jalen brunson Mm -hmm. and the other is more fast pace and like to take the ball up and that would be Donovan Mitchell. So it will be interesting to see how those dynamics intertwine. But at the same time, it's just going to be hard. I try not to talk about 
this topic anymore only because like i'm a knicks fan so i want to see it but i understand how frustrating it could be when you look at the other end of the table and who's at that negotiation table yeah. and that's danny Ainge. that's a guy that's going to try to rob you he will try to rob you mm -hmm. and if you're the Knicks, you just got to stay patted and know that you have the best offer so don't get don't panic you know, I understand negotiations could be intense, but there's nobody that has a better offer than you. You have eight first round picks. So, um, you know, I just think that maybe another team like the Lakers, who we talked about, is possibly going to have to jump in and be that third team because they could send Russell Westbrook to the Jazz, attach some first round picks or a pick to that. And the Jazz could be able to, you know, get some picks along with the picks that we can offer and the plays that we can offer. So, you know, just we just got to be careful about how we give into this i don't want us giving six round picks six first rounders and bad and all them guys we got to be smart about this because at the end of the day we don't want to gut out our roster you know so we'll see what happens yeah I, again i agree um we the knicks have been through this before they didn't want to wait they didn't want to listen to donnie walsh when he said wait for carmelo they, they wanted to give up the whole house to get carmelo don't do it again this time and I hope that you guys are smart enough to not include R.J. Barrett in a trade for Donovan Mitchell um, because, I, I, to be honest with you, I, I, I don't think it's worth it because if you're going to have to give up, you know, R.J.'s like, all right, well, then who's, he, who's Donovan Mitchell going to be running without that? You need, you need somebody, you know what I mean, um, for him to run with, one. And then, two, my, the, my, the issue I, I do have with the Donovan Mitchell trade to the Knicks, even though I ultimately think he'll end up there, is now you're going to have the smallest backcourt in basketball with him and Jalen Brunson. I think both of those guys are 6'1", 6'2". You know, obviously, you know, Donovan Mitchell is super athletic and, you know, kind of a freak of nature in that regard, but he's not the best defensive guard in the league, and he's a small point guard. So I don't know how that lineup works with those two on the court at the same time. You know, do you do you have – Brunson come off the bench if you bring Donovan Mitchell over? Do you have him play and showcase him off so you can maybe flip him um, halfway through the season and bring in another piece? You know, I can't say. But, again, I would love to see a superstar headed to uh, to the Knicks. You know, obviously I, I always want to see Knicks versus Nets in the playoffs. So I want to see the Knicks get back to the playoffs. Um, but, again, we will see with that. We're going we're gonna to switch over really quick because we are we are running very low on time right now. Um, I got to shout out my wifey for lifey, uh, Serena Williams. She is she's, she's on her retirement tour right now. This is most likely going to be her last uh, U.S. Open appearance. Uh, she's already up right now in her first match. Uh, by, she's up. She won the first set. She's up in the second set right now. She'll probably take this one home. Um, but again, you know, Serena Williams. If this is the last hurrah for Serena Williams, I believe she retires as the goat. Um, it's 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 hard for me to even hear any argument of anything else. Um, you know, just going back to just what Serena and Venus had to deal with to get to where they are in the sport of tennis, which for a long time, I mean, still, I mean, still is, you know, white dominated sport. Cause most, you know, but white, you know, white athletes kind of dominate the sport, but Serena Williams, you know, managed to come from where she's from and, and Cali from the, come from the hood to be the greatest tennis player of all time. 
Again, if this was if this is her last to Raw at a at an, uh, a tournament that she dominates, she had an amazing career, and it, it, it's it can't be rivaled. I don't think by anybody in women's and, and really not too many people in the men's side can rival Serena's career and what she was able to accomplish. Oh, absolutely! What she done for the sport is amazing. One of my favorite athletes of all time, you know. She will be missed. You know, when you have guys and girls like, you know, Serena that come into the sport and just make it more, even more global, you know, you see the fans in the stands. I'm actually watching the game. I have the game on um, right now, the tennis match, and you see all the fans in the stands and everybody that comes out to support Serena. She's done a lot for the game of tennis, made it more popular. And when you talk about where she came from, I always love those stories, them stories about people never being handed anything, had to work and put the extra hours in, you know, while everybody was at home chilling and, you know, doing what they do. She was out there trying to get better, perfect the craft and obviously be dominant, which she was in her craft. You know, I, I don't think there's a more dominant athlete. You know, maybe I'm just heated a moment right now. You know, my brain is not, you know, it's getting late. My brain is not, you know, really functioning at its highest peak, but I don't really see another dominant athlete. You know, obviously Brady, LeBron, but Serena, as far as just the dominance in her sport, mm -hmm. the dominance of with her opposition and competition, it's nothing like it. And I don't think we will see that ever again. So if this is the last ride for Serena Williams, you know, you did it. Yep. yep. And we thankful for you. You're absolutely right. And um <clears throat> shout out to, to everybody that's over at the Arthur Ashe Stadium uh right now. You mentioned the numbers over there and the people that came out. This is the first year since COVID that the U.S. Open is, you know, fully open as it was, you know, pre-COVID. So, yeah. you know, it, it, should, it should be a goodie for all you guys that, that get to see Serena play in what may be her last tournament. Enjoy because you're witnessing something special uh, right now. A um, little bit of MLB news. I'm just going to – we're just going to talk about the, the AL MVP race really quick because it's still kind of tight between Aaron Rodgers and uh, Shohei Otani. Obviously, you know, as a Yankee fan, I, I'm pushing for my guy, Aaron Judge. Ultimately, I do think that that he gets the MVP award. Um, you know, he's what he's doing right now. You know, on both sides of the baseball is nothing short of amazing. He's looking, he's looking towards passing uh, Roger Maris uh, for home runs. You know, in in, in the American uh, League this season, he's on he's on track to do that. And I, I just I feel like you know. He's he's done more than enough. He's a, he's he's leading leading in home runs by far. I think he's he's still got a ten plus edge in home runs. He's leading the league in RBIs, you know. So I I, I gotta say Aaron Rodgers ultimately pulls through and gets the MVP. But what's your take? Can can show how Otani take that from him? I mean, I think he could, he could take that because it's just the popularity. You know, he's a very popular guy. That a lot of people want to go and watch because of just the dynamics. You know, it reminds me of Lynn Sandy in New York, where it was just a a rod of momentum. This is more this guy's talented and, and actually could play. He's good at what he does. But um, I think he could possibly win it. You know, I'm a New York guy, but I'm a Mets fan. So, you know, ain't no Aaron Judge, you know, pick up over here. But I I have to go with Shohei Tani. You know, what he what he how explosive he is, I gotta go with him. Well, Listen, he did get the MVP last season, so it's not yeah. like he's not of that caliber of player. Um, but we do got a couple of more weeks left of the season. 
And uh, we will keep you guys posted on that. Finally, before we get up out of here, man, there is a lot going on in the world of boxing over the next couple of months. Now, I'm going to tell you a few fights that's going down in September, and we ain't even get to the Wilder fight that's going to happen uh, next month just yet, or the, uh, you know, the, 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 you know, there's one. There's one other big fight that's gonna come up next month as well. But this month alone, you got two heavyweights going at it. Two of the big dogs, Andy Ruiz Jr., former champion, Luis Ortiz. That's going down. And you got Clarissa Shields putting her belts on the line uh, versus uh, Savannah Marshall. That's going down. Followed by Canelo versus Triple G Part Three. That's going down. And then just you know, just to end things off with a bang, you got Devin Haney versus George Cambosos Jr. Which one of those four fights are you most looking forward to seeing? Definitely, this is easy for me. That would definitely be Andy Ruiz and Luis Ortiz. I know it's not the trendier pick. I know Triple G and Canelo got a heated rivalry. This is the third fight, clear, trilogy, a lot of hatred. But I would say Andy Ruiz and Luis Ortiz just for the styles and the contrasting styles. You know, mm-hmm. Mexican, Cuban, you know, they bring something to a table and... One thing about Ruiz, I start off with Ruiz, right, before I go to Ortiz. Ruiz, I think, is a guy that he doesn't get credit for his adjustments that he makes in fights. You know, I understand not everything is perfect, but I seen him get up the campus in the first Anthony Joshua fight where he got knocked down, ended up getting Joshua out of there. When you talk about the last fight, the most recent one against Chris Ariola, he touched the mat. He got back up, mm-hmm. won the fight in an all-out war. So he showed that he can box, make the right adjustments, even though sometimes he could get it a little careless in there. Um, when you look at Luis Ortiz, you know, I don't think he gets the credit for his boxing. A lot of people look at him as this powerful fighter. He got power. He definitely got power. We saw what he did to Charles Martin, knocked the brother into another, another country, <laughs> you know? But he can box defensively, offensively. He can move around. And that's what makes his fight great is that you have one fighter who's actually on their ray and and Andy Ruiz have a lot to lose and they have to take this dangerous fight. Luis Ortiz is a very dangerous fight for anybody and it doesn't come with a lot of, you know, reward, right? It's a high risk, low reward type of fight. But at the end of the day, it gives the boxer fans what they want to see. I don't care about that high risk, low reward from a consumer perspective. Yep. I just want to see the best fights out there. And I think this is going to be a very, very good fight that's going to be possibly a fight of the year candidate. Yes, because we're always talking about guys not wanting to fight. And you got two warriors that we're going to see. And I got a lot of respect for both of these guys. You know, you talk about Lewis, uh, his, Ortiz, his, his boxing skills. The man can box. Don't yeah. don't just think because he's you know that what they call him, they call him King Kong, but the man can box. Uh, you know, outside of you know Deontay caught him with a, an amazing shot, but Ortiz was looking really good in that fight up until you know that that point. You know, he can really box. I, I love Ruiz. You know, I love the fact that you know he he, he like you said he will get knocked down and get right back up and get right back to it and he'll knock you out after you knock him down if you're not on your P's and Q's. So I got a lot of respect for both of those guys. The fight I'm looking most forward to seeing, I'll be honest with you though, it's just was you know, it's Clarissa Shields and uh Savannah Marshall. Because I don't think we've seen a a, a boxer dominate the way that Clarissa Shields has 
Uh, yeah. Period. And that, that's with the men and the women. She's championing two different weight classes currently. That's never been done before in either the men's or the women's side. Um, and then said, you know what? She pulled the Jordan move. Man, these chicks can't mess with me. I'm going to go ahead over to UFC, get a UFC fight, or excuse me, not UFC, MMA fight in. I'm going to get an MMA fight in and let y'all get some time to try and catch up to me, and then I'll come back over. Um, <laughs> and so I'm looking forward to this one, one, because of that, and two, because I seen the press conference a couple of weeks ago with these two, and, um, they, you know, she was talking heavy, Savannah. You know, good, talking about some stuff dating back to the amateur days and whatnot. Did, they were going at it. So I just, think she won. I, I think Savannah beat her in the yes. amateurs, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it, it 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 made me when when I watched that press conference, um, I started thinking, of what was the movie with uh with Damon Wayans? Oh man, um, with the Great White Hype. When you they talking had, about um. When they had to go back and get the boxer, who's they was like, well, because they couldn't find nobody else to fight Damon Wayne's. They was like, yeah, as me. a pro, but who's the one guy that beat him as an amateur? So they go back and get the white guy to come back. I know you told me. I forgot the name. White, I think it's the, the Great White Hype. I think that's the name of the movie. Um, I, I, I'll, I'll let you guys know um, on next week's show if, if that's it, but I'm pretty sure that's that it's the Great White Hype. But that's how I feel with this one. When I seen him going back and forth, the talk was heavy. And Clarissa Shells ain't letting nobody talk crazy to her. You got to show and prove in that ring. Amateurs, amateurs. But now <laughs> we talking about the pros, and ain't there, there has not been don't, the only female boxer who and and dominated like this um, is Layla um, Ali. But even she didn't have the resume, you know. Obviously, things are a little bit different now than, than than Layla's era, but she didn't have the resume that Clarissa Shields has. But outside of that, Clarissa Shields is is walking through any and everybody, and I'm really looking forward to uh, to to seeing this fight. Obviously, I mean, I think you guys could tell I'm going with Clarissa Shields as the winner in this fight, but I think that's gonna be be a great fight. Um, the, with the in, in regards to the to, to the Triple G and Canelo fight, I'm looking forward to seeing it. But it's the third fight; we've seen it twice before. So if I'm just picking in in the order, that probably will be the last of the four because I got Devin Haney and the George Cambosa fight um, as my second choice that I want to see. Mm. And it, it's it's more so because I want to see what comes after this fight because there's a lot of guys you know within those divisions. Um, that we're not seeing fight each other that I want to see fight each other. So I want to see if Devin Haney can get Kimbosas out the way and then and then who comes next. That's real that's why I got that as my second choice of those four fights. Uh, you know, when you talk about Devin Haney and Kambosos, you know, I wasn't really fond of the first fight. You know, I understand skills pay the bills and you know, credit to Devin Haney. He's a fighter that he has his game plan, and he sticks to it. He's going to out-jab you. He's going to outwork you, and that's how he's going to win. But I think, you know, sometimes I try not to kind of, you know, get into that mode where I'm looking at it from a promoter's standpoint because these are the promoter's jobs, right, to make a guy an attraction in boxing to make him a pay-per-view star. I just don't feel like Devin Haney's style, from my personal standpoint, everybody got their, you know, things that they like about boxes, but, you know, I just don't think his style is exciting. Um, I would like to see 
a little bit more risk being taken on both sides. Mm -hmm. You know, the last fight, no guys was taking no risk at all. You know, and you can argue Cambosis was supposed to take the most risk. He was losing the whole entire fight. But I thought Devin Haney yeah. could have made the fight a little bit more exciting. So I'm not really, it's probably the last on my list. I'm not really, you know, looking forward to this fight. It's on a Sunday. Top of that, you know, football season is going to be already in full swing. So that kind of is another dynamic on why. But I do agree that what's next is probably going to be bigger than what this fight could ever be. And I think Lomachenko is what's next for the winner. Yeah, that, that's what I said. That's that's why I really want to see this fight because I'm more interested in, in what's going to happen next, and I would love to see uh, see see those two guys go at it, Devin Haney and, and, and Lomachenko. I think that that's going to be a great fight. Um, so we're looking forward to that. Uh, big shout out to Serena Wifey for Lifey. As we were talking, she she finished her she finished her food. And uh, she, if she does retire, she retires 21-0 in the first round of the U.S. Open. So big shout-out to uh, Serena Williams. We got to get up out of here, though, but let me quickly shout-out the sponsors. Big shout-out to Kmart, uh, the Rosado Firm, Petro Home Services, and, of course, the good folks over at Soundview Liquors. Um, make sure you guys are following us on all our social media. Instagram, Twitter, at RealFanTalk, Facebook.com forward slash uh, RealFansRealTalk, and subscribe to that YouTube channel, man, YouTube.com uh, forward slash for the fans productions and do not worry if you're not in New York City from 8 to 9 p.m. on Thursday nights you can still watch myself and you can see this special episode with my, my, my little bro Jalil uh, on any computer that has the internet no matter where you at in the world. All you got to do is go to realfansrealtalk.com, click that red button on the on the homepage, and you can watch right along with everybody else in the world. Lil, man, really quick, before we get up out of here, talk to the people, man. Let them know where they can, they can follow in the huddle sports and everything that you got going on. Definitely. You can follow us on Instagram and the huddle sports radio underscore. You can also follow us on YouTube. That's where we have our visual clips and segments. Uh, Real Lil TV. Once again, Real Lil TV will be out there posting content and just support new media. You know, like myself and real fans will talk. You know, we out here pushing out content. You know, we you know, we we give you the real. We give you a different feel to the sports universe thing and the sports radio talk podcast tv show whatever we give a unique perspective so definitely support new media because new media is where it's at absolutely absolutely make sure y'all check them out follow them on on ig as well um they they they, they doing their thing right now the young brothers is out here kicking butt and taking names so make sure y'all support them with that being said for myself trip young my co-host for the night real lil we up out of here peace this is your African King of Comedy, Michael Blackson. You're watching Real Friends Real Talk. Get real with it, my son.